we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with James Harkin, Anna Chazinski, and Alex Bell. And once again, we've gathered around the microphone with our favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Okay, let's start with fact number one, Anna Chazinski. So my fact is that Alexander the Great banned beards in battle to combat beard pulling. (laughs) How long were the beards? I'm not sure, actually. I do know they were fashionable before that. So he actually was a proponent of beards before one battle where he was leading the Macedonians. And it was his troops versus the Persians. And the Persians started grabbing his troops' beards and pulling them off their horses and killing them or taking them prisoner. And there's one anecdote of one of the opposing troops grabs a guy's beard and holds it there while he decapitates him, which is quite a useful way of decapitating someone. So, yeah, no beards in battle after that. So that was was just one battle where half the soldiers died because of beards, beards and yeah. all the we clean gotta... shaven guys going well I didn't really think it was that bad <laughs> yeah I thought it was good battle guys <laughs> got a lot of kills in that um, the thing about Alexander um, I read somewhere else that one of the reasons he might have done it is that he was only 20 years old at the time and all of the um, other soldiers were a lot older than him and one way that you showed authority if you were older was by having a big beard and so he didn't want these other guys to have beards because he wanted to have the authority over them yeah he yeah. was really also short possible. as well wasn't he so maybe was he yeah so he should have made them all sort of like stand on their knees all the time and <laughs> limp around not good in battle look pretty ugly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another time where war killed beards was world war one people it? stopped wearing stopped wearing beards yeah you wear a beard don't you stop wearing beards in world war one because they were prone to lice which isn't uh, ideal in the trenches uh-huh. uh, one useful beard was the first guy who swam from john o'groats to land's end he grew a massive beard to protect his face from jellyfish stings Ah, smart. That's clever, isn't it? Another useful beard um, was Blackbeard's beard. Oh, yeah. I said beard too much there. Um, He apparently used to adorn his beard with slow-burning fuses to make himself look more intimidating in battle, so he decorated himself like a big, scary Christmas tree. So he lit (laughs) his hairy face on fire. I know, it's quite dangerous, isn't it? He would put fuses for dynamite and things, slow-burning ones, stick them in his hair and his beard, and light them up. Apparently that made him look even scarier. Yeah, it would, I guess. Yeah. Slash easy to spot and slightly ridiculous. <laughs> Slash has a high chance of setting your face on fire. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> then Slash you look like an idiot. <laughs> Beards are really weird though, aren't they? They've just gone in and out of fashion so wildly since the beginning of civilization. Yeah. Like ancient Rome, I don't think people were pro-beards because it was a sign of slovenliness and you weren't looking after yourself. And then other points in time, they've been a sign of manliness. So I think uh, medieval times, it was a sign of virility. Well, there was that study recently about um, how women find beards attractive, um, but only up until a certain number of people have beards. And once you go over that number, then they don't find them attractive anymore. And apparently we are post that number now. So wearing a beard is not attractive anymore. I think Jeremy Paxman tipped the balance. Did he? I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) Jeremy Paxman's really regretting his beard now, though. Because he made a big point of the fact that you should be allowed to have a beard on TV. And then there's the, um, the BLF. Have you heard of the BLF? Is it the Beard Liberation Front? Yeah. Oh, I feel like you've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> what, did they go around cutting off people's beards? No, they're, they're, they're a... Um, Free that beard. They're a, 
Or just letting them loose on the moors. Yeah. Yeah. No, they want to encourage beards. They think it's one of the great sort of like glass ceilings of every job in the world that if you have a beard, it stops you from getting higher in a company or getting you on TV. Or okay. they treat it as if it's like worse than the glass ceiling for women or, or race or anything. Beards Beardism. are like the ultimate. Yeah. yeah, they said that. Bearded women's even worse. Bearded women. Yeah, you don't get many bearded women on panel shows, do you? You don't. You don't. <laughs> well, there was the Saint Wilgefortis, wasn't there, who was an English saint who there are paintings of her that were mistaken for Jesus for a long time. She looked exactly <laughs> like Jesus. She was crucified and she had this big long beard. And actually, she's just a female saint who grew a beard. Do you remember that guy who went to the darts and he looked like Jesus and he had to get kicked out? No. Why was he kicked okay. out? Re just really quickly, what happened? It was a few years ago. You know how darts matches get quite rowdy? No, but okay. No, they do. Uh, and so there was a match going on. And then some of the crowd, who are very drunk and having a good time, noticed that one of the other members of the crowd looked a bit like Jesus. And then suddenly it spread and everyone was going, Jesus, Jesus, to this guy. <laughs> and it was putting the darts players off so much that the guy who looked like Jesus got escorted out of the venue. Oh, oh my God, that's really unfair. Yeah. Escort the people out who were chanting at him. I know, but that was everyone. Yeah. So it was either just him left or he or, went and yeah. everyone else was left. Speaking of Jesus, in the first six centuries of Christianity, all images of him look like an angelic sort of Roman statue, look like a, a god with curly blonde hair and no facial hair at all. And it was only in about, I think, the 12th century that we suddenly decided to change him into this guy with a big long beard who was scrawny and skinny. And um, Just back to women quickly with beards. Um, I, uh, I found this great thing in, the, in Squire, the QI um, fact database. Uh, which, did you guys read this about the 12th century Indian scripture? The Koka, it's called. It's in the 12th century Indian scripture. Um, it basically says, it recommends that uh, a man should not marry... A woman with a beard that was one of the like the main things in the scripture but just all of the other you shouldn't marry redheads uh, you shouldn't marry anyone who sighs laughs or cries at meals um, <laughs> any girl with inverted nipples uneven breasts flap ears spindle legs or who is scrawny girls whose big toes are disproportionately small girls who make the ground shake when they walk past <laughs> and my favorite any girl named after a mountain, a tree, a river, or a bird. <laughs> Someone's standards are too high, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, nice. oh, you know what? I really like everything about you. Your non-inverted nipples, your non-spindly <laughs> legs. But I'm afraid, Mrs. Thames, there's nothing yeah. I can do about it. We have to talk about your girlfriend, Oak Tree. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about her. <laughs> there was a 16th century... Um, uh, Austrian mayor, I think he was a sort of leader of a town called uh, Hans Steiniger, who's um, supposedly had one of the longest beards in history. Oh yeah, uh, and he he's also famous for having supposedly one of the most ironic deaths as well, which was he died by falling down the stairs and breaking his neck after tripping over his beard. Um, he was running to attend a fire uh, in the city and he forgot to pick up his beard and tuck it into his breast pocket as he usually does. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he died. Oh, oh shame. very dangerous dangerous things so i feel sorry for um roman boys who used to have to their first their first first little sprouting which i imagine for men is quite an exciting event used to be whisked up to the temple to devote it to the gods which must be quite irritating you finally see a whisker appearing on your face after all those years and your mum's like all right get it off we're giving it to the gods I, I imagine so. there's Mayans listening to this going, oh, what? <laughs> you become a man and you're taken up there and you lose a little bit of your hair. <laughs> a whisker. <Yeah. laughs> 
tweezed out. Yeah, I have my bowels removed. Yeah, <laughs> I had to lob my son and daughter's head off. <laughs> First world Roman problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know they're not allowed, um, the Yankees don't allow beards for their players. The uh, baseball team. The baseball team in America, New York Yankees, uh, for a very long time now, they've not allowed any player to have a beard. So many players who have said that they want to join the Yankees say, oh, there's no way I'm losing my beard. That's definitely going to stay. They're just going to have to break the rule for me. And then they always backtrack like months later when they're finally signed. Going, when they're offered like a $10 <laughs> million. Yeah, yeah exactly. Contract. They go, okay, I guess I'll just lose that beard then. That's like, kind of like, I think dreadlocks were a problem for an Australian rugby union player who had long dreadlocks and people always used to tackle him by pulling on his dreadlocks. And I believe the manager at one point said, you've got to get rid of those guys. This is really jeopardizing our game. <laughs> there was an Aussie rules player. Uh, this is going completely off topic now but he um so i don't really know the rules of aussie rules very well but you catch the ball a lot you jump up and catch the ball don't you yeah and the ball was kept hitting his little finger and he dislocated it so many times that every time he caught the ball it would really give him pain on this little finger and so he had it amputated Ah, wow. just to so make it easier. Just to, to be a better player. Oh, that's that great. devotion to the game. <laughs> there was another player, but not for Aussie rules, but for um, for rugby league in oh, Australia, yeah. who his trick, uh, fingers as well, was that in a scrum, uh, he'd put his finger up people's butts and they would drop the ball <laughs> and he would always get the ball aside. And everyone kept complaining about it, but no one really believed it. And they finally caught him with his finger up someone's butt <laughs> and he got banned from the game for quite a while. Called brown-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, time to move on to fact number two. That is my fact. And my fact this week is that psychopaths don't experience contagious yawning like the rest of us. If if you're not a psychopath. Was that a real one or a fake one? That was I'm a fake not one. telling you. Uh, <laughs> they did this test with dogs where they had 29 dogs experience uh, a yawn to see if they would yawn back. And 21 out of 29 dogs yawned back and they only yawned when it was a genuine yawn if a human just went Ugh, with their mouth yeah. open they didn't yawn didn't back yeah. yeah it's weird i do think it's amazing that yawning is contagious in the human community in the dog community and between humans and dogs as well yes that's ridiculous although yeah, i wonder if a dog makes a human yawn yawning is so contagious that humans can yawn just by reading the word yawn or thinking about yawning sometimes wow. so if you see a dog yawning and you know it's a yawn then i bet that's contagious yeah, yeah. basically anyone listening to this podcast now is probably yawning and it's not just because of your terrible facts wow <laughs> pretty rough yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's amazing. Yawning is a mystery. We don't know why we yawn. There are over 20 scientific theories for why we yawn, and none of them is agreed upon. Yeah, I think that's fascinating that's as well. That's amazing. It's really weird. Now, the latest theory is that it cools your brain. So yeah. yawning, it gets sucks in. So you yawn more in winter because you suck in the cool air, and it goes through your nasal tissue and through your throat, and it's when your brain's too hot. The ancient Greeks thought that it was your soul trying to escape. That's why you're supposed to put your hand over your mouth. Really? Uh, they thought your soul would escape when you were sneezing as well. In fact, people, that's why they say bless you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense to me because you're pushing it out. I would have thought, like, you and you're sucking it but in. It just sounds like people thought they had this soul inside them that was just trying to get out in any way <laughs> possible. It's yeah. like, did you just fart? No, my soul was escaping. <laughs> but also, if you failed to put your hand in front of your mouth and you uh, sneezed, did they just consider you someone who then lost their soul? <laughs> like, well, good one, dickhead. Your soul's gone now. And the rest of their life was just... The rest of your life, you're waiting for someone else to sneeze and then you put <laughs> your mouth you. right next yeah. to their mouth. <laughs> I got your soul. 
Well, hey, James just yawned. Was that? <laughs> so oh, you're yawning your on my fact. Oh my god! No, it wasn't. That was a genuine one. Was that a genuine yawn? Oh yeah. No, it wasn't. It was. It was. Really? It can't be. He's a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Should we address? Why is it that psychopaths don't yawn contagiously? Well, do we I- think? Because I know autistic people and schizophrenic people are much less likely to yawn contagiously as well. But do we know why? Uh, as far as I know, it's to do with empathy, and I find that a weird thing because I didn't think that yawning was a way of showcasing emotion to each other um so there's a guy a neuroscientist called james fallon and he was um he'd worked out what people's brains look like if they're certain types of people and he worked out what psych- uh, psychopaths brains look like and he had um a a load of different brain scans next to him and he saw one that definitely looked like a psychopath and it was his own brain scan so he worked <laughs> out that he was a psychopath himself which wow. is quite a cool thing. And then did he go on a killing spree? Well, no. <laughs> he said, they did an interview with him and um, he said, oh, you know what? I never realized I was um, a psychopath until then. But then he said, I'm obnoxiously competitive. I won't let my grandchildren win games. I'm kind of an asshole and I do jerky things that piss people off. <laughs> so the clues were there. <laughs> All falling into place. <laughs> uh, ants uh, yawn when they wake up do they yeah they, they do yawn. something it looks like they yawn so they wake up and they stretch all their legs and they open their mouth as if they yawn oh, that's really cute. how adorable is that so it's weird how many animals do it there was a study in 1994 and i haven't been able to find anything subsequent to that that's disproved it that found that the only vertebrates that don't yawn are giraffes um there's um the 2011 uh, ig nobel prize for physiology uh, was won by a couple of scientists who did a study called No Evidence of Contagious Yawning in the Red-Footed Tortoise. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. All psychopaths, if only <laughs> <laughs> be afraid. Um, if fetuses yawn in the first trimester, which I find amazing, because if you think how tiny a fetus is, is in the first three months of pregnancy, and it's yawning already. People don't know why, obviously. It's probably pretty boring in there. I guess so. <laughs> There's an antidepressant called anaphronil, one of the side effects of which is spontaneous orgasms triggered by yawning. <laughs> okay. That's great. So you couldn't use the excuse, I'm too tired, because it would immediately be disproved. Yeah. They've invented a yawn-activated coffee machine, which was tried out at Johannesburg Airport last year, I think, which, instead of paying, you just had to go up to it, and it has a facial recognition thing, and if you genuinely yawn, then it gives you some coffee. Oh, but then surely if really? the first person does a genuine yawn, everyone else in the queue would catch <laughs> yeah, the yawn from true. it, yeah. Yeah. and they'd go out of yeah. business immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Something that I've experienced for years, which until uh, looking into this fact I didn't realise was a thing, is that if I do a stand-up gig, I always yawn before the gig. I always like just have oh. this massive yawn. And I just thought that's... Okay, and that's, I don't know what that is. That must be uh, me getting the adrenaline ready or something. But mm. it seems counterintuitive because it's, it makes it seem like you're tired. And people, if they see you yawning, they're going, oh, you're not really that bothered about this gig. And it's no, like, I no, think no, it's no, an anxiety I'm... thing. Maybe it's a way of your body really wanting more oxygen. You know, you hyperventilate when you're anxious. Yeah, yeah. I think well, maybe it's another way of your body doing that. Yeah, Sorry, they, found, they found that um, Olympic athletes, the majority of them will yawn before their events. Uh, concert violinists will yawn before a concerto. Mm. Um, they even found there was a guy in the army who who monitored um, uh, Army Special Forces jumping out of planes, parachuting, and they would all yawn as they would walk up to the door. And he did a study on it to, to see if it was If thing. it was just like a camera, though, they might have been going, Ah! Actually, Geronimo, his real name was um, Guy Affle, which means one who yawns. Really? A, oh. That was a good link. Yeah. Wow. How did you crowbar around to that? <laughs> <laughs> I did notice on uh, online when I googled world's longest yawn because I thought I bet someone's got that record. Yeah. I don't think anyone does have that record, really? but all of those kind of 
onion wannabe websites that are trying to write satirical news stories. That seems to be the most popular choice of news story. <laughs> Longest yawn recorded as man realizes oasis are forming again. Uh, like, yeah, and they yeah, all try yeah. and, oh, it was a recorded three minute yawn. That's how boring <laughs> the news of them reforming was. <laughs> seems to be. Yawn recorded as another article about the longest yawn is Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone needs to write that one. Okay, time for fact number three, and that is James. Okay, my fact is The Big Bang was quieter than a Motorhead concert. <laughs> so how loud is a motorhead concert i don't really know what they are the motorhead was uh, and is a um a metal band who have a very famous lead singer called lemmy yeah. and they sung the song the ace of spades the oh, ace yeah, of spades. That one. oh, yeah, that song. oh they're quite loud then <laughs> yes. yeah. um yeah so they apparently reach uh, regularly reach around 126 decibels and according to an article in Focus magazine that I read the other day, uh, the Big Bang was about 120 decibels. Really? Now, I don't really understand exactly what that means, but I went on, on the internet and had a look around, and I found this uh, website, uh, telescoper.wordpress.com. It's a blog by um, a physicist. And basically, they've managed to, by looking at the uh, background radiation of the universe, they've managed to work out that there were some sound waves there, and they managed to work out how loud those sound waves would have been. And according to them, it was about 120 decibels. And, well, there's no one there to hear it. Yes. And these sound waves, whether they'd be able to be heard by human ears anyway, I don't know. But, you know, I don't pretend to be able to completely 100% understand this. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a link to this guy's blog on my um, Twitter feed, at Eggshaped, and people can make their own minds up. So a blue whale, which is the loudest animal in existence, can give off a call that's 188 decibels. So wow. that's much louder than the Big Bang. Yeah. And also loud enough to rupture your eardrums if you heard it, in fact, isn't it? Yeah. Anything a bit over 100, 110, 120, that's going to hurt your ears. Yeah. On yeah. the subject of concerts, apparently one of the reasons the Beatles stopped touring was because their concerts weren't loud enough. Um, during their 1964 tour, which was their last tour, the audience was just screamed so loudly all the way through for the entire evening that no one could hear the music. And the Beatles came to the conclusion that their concerts weren't about the music anymore. Um, and they tried all this different equipment. They still couldn't get it to work. So they decided to stop touring. That was one of the reasons. Uh, bands now have monitors on stage that play the music back to them so they can hear... Mm their sound levels and what they sound like. Uh, they didn't have that back then. So there was a really famous Beatles gig where they played it in a baseball stadium in America where it was so loud, the screaming of the fans, they couldn't hear themselves play. So it wasn't even that the fans couldn't hear them. They couldn't hear yeah. themselves and they were just completely out of tune the <laughs> whole time. Songs yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world's loudest scream, that is a British record. Um, it's held by a lady called Jill Drake from Tenterden in Kent. Oh, I come from there. Do you? Yeah. Oh, you might have heard her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she um, set the record with 129 decibels in the year 2000. Hang on, she yelled louder than the Big Bang <laughs> and Motorhead? <laughs> to be fair, uh, Tintin yeah. is a pretty awful place. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the funny thing is that she didn't know that she was good at screaming, um, but she was on a trip to London when the Millennium Dome was there, and they just happened to be having a shouting and screaming competition. So she thought, well, I'm here, I'm on holiday, I might as well check. And then she did it, and she found that she had a real skill for it, and now she's got the world record. <laughs> skill at screaming? Is it like on her CV or something? Yeah. Why, how is that a skill? I mean, I, Alicia the best in the world is something. I seem mm, to remember yeah. that she 
made the record and just beat out the other competitor who was her twin sister. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure her twin sister is the second yeah. loudest screamer. Her parents must have been so sick of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, the loudest noise recorded in modern... Oh, the loudest noise that we know of happening in modern history was the eruption of Krakatoa in 1883. Yes. And it could be... Well, it uh, reverberated around the world seven times, I think. It could be detected on instruments going seven times around, but it could be heard 3,000 miles away. Wow. So it was in you- Indonesia and it could be heard in Western Australia. Didn't it burst people's eardrums, um, like yeah. 20 miles away? anyone within ridiculous. a 10 mile radius, um, their eardrums explode. Wow. They're, they're deaf. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I've got one motorhead fact, which is that <laughs> oh, yeah. they recently uh, rocked so hard at a concert that one of the guys headbanging uh, it got, got a blood clot in his oh, brain no. as a result of the like absolute just headbanging that was Gosh, going on. Really? Yeah, and he survived, so it's now a it's now a mark of awesomeness both to the fan and the band that they rocked a guy so hard that his brain <laughs> spasmed, gave him an aneurysm. There was that thing about um was it Madness who I think they did a thing at Finsbury Park where everyone was stumping up and down so much that they caused an earthquake, a very small earthquake. It might have been that that was also in a in a football stadium in America. Was it? Yeah, yeah, where they oh, were stamping yes, so the, hard. Um, at the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. That that happened quite recently. Yeah. yeah. So they triggered an actual earthquake, as in it was measured. It on was measured. The oh, I see. Yeah. They didn't move. So the everyone went. Plate. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Although, yeah. is the Richter scale? Is it the Richter scale that's not still in use anymore? Yeah, it's a moment magnitude scale now. Yeah. But it's pretty much. Yeah, the same. yeah. If anyone got any last facts they want to chuck in? Um. So. These guys called Penzias and Wilson were awarded the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1978 because they detected the cosmic fog that's meant to be a signature of the Big Bang. So that's what we study to work out what we think happened in the Big Bang. And two pigeons had to die in order for them to work this out. So they had the horn antenna to detect it and it kept on showing higher temperature than expected when they were looking at this cosmic fog. And they thought, oh, is it the pigeon poo in the horn antenna? Mm-hmm. So they gave the pigeon to a pigeon fancier and said, take these pigeons away. And Pigeon Fancy took them away, let them go, so they returned the horn antenna, <laughs> nested in there again. And so they shot the pigeons. But I just think if you've got two physicists and you're a pigeon fancier, you go, my one job is to keep these two pigeons out of the horn antenna while these guys try to work out the universe. And he cocked it up. Yeah. But what was interesting about that was that I thought the usually these kind of things happen to be um, that someone thinks they've discovered something amazing and it turns out to be actually the pigeon shot all over the equipment and ruined it and that was it. It was actually the other way around with this because they thought it was the pigeon and it turned out to be they discovered the background cosmic radiation yeah. of the universe. <laughs> they just didn't realise it. Who was it? I've completely forgotten his name now but there was a physicist who spent years studying Venus who was looking through Venus in a telescope mm-hmm. um, and he uh, thought that he was looking at canals on Venus and it turned out that he was actually he actually had his telescope incorrectly calibrated and he was looking at uh, cataracts in his eyes in the <laughs> blood vessels rather in his eyes for yeah. years and years and was studying these and it's really sad actually cause yeah and there's maps of venus isn't there that yeah. he drew and actually it's a map of the inside of his own eyeball yeah. that's so cool <laughs> have you guys heard about the mysterious hum <laughs> it's apparently a mysterious hum going around it's not true though is it um well it's true that people think it exists yeah there's a lot of people reporting that there's this low hum that's appearing in certain bits of the planet and a lot of people are experiencing it and no one knows where the hum is coming from is it detected on sound detecting equipment? I don't know enough about it. Um, sometimes these facts are better when you don't read into them. <laughs> <laughs> the electromagnetic radiation of the sun makes a noise, a really interesting sound. I was going to submit it for M series, actually, for music. Um, check it out if you go on YouTube music and type in spheres. sun sound. Yeah, music of the spheres. The Earth does as well. There's a, there's a note. There's a definite note. I think it fluctuates. Um, yeah, basically anything that's, anything that's vibrating will, will give bring off a noise. sound. 
The when Earth emits an ear-piercing combination of shrieks and whistles, apparently. That, and that's just from Tenterton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, time to move on to our final fact, and that is Alex. My fact is that Pixar accidentally deleted Toy Story 2 halfway through making it. <laughs> oh. How? 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 Yeah, okay, how so do you this, do that? Is, this is a really great story. Okay, so um, basically... Everyone in Pixar, there were over 100 people working on the film at the time, um, and um, it, they all had access to the, the, the files at the same time. It, there was no sort of protection. And this was a while ago, so it was quite simple computer systems. Someone literally just typed in the wrong command into the computer by accident, realised that they'd accidentally told the computer to delete the whole film and that it was doing that. Um, they then oh. quickly sent emails around being like, shit, please, can someone help me? I think I've just deleted Toy Story <laughs> 2. Um, they then rang downstairs to the place where the servers were, and was, they just said, unplug the machine as quickly as you can so they did so they turned it off and turned it on again which is the solution to everything when they turned it back on they found that nearly all of the movie had been deleted oh my god um so they started panicking and they started asking everyone does anyone have any bits of the film at home um because apparently the whole film only took up 10 gigabytes with the, the all the information it took to make it which was wow. still a large amount in that time but a 30 minute episode of the k series of qi is 13 gigabytes on our server so that's you know that's more than all of the information to render toy story 2 oh, wow um, and um so that so they thought they'd lost the entire film until they remembered that um one of their employee one of the animators was on maternity leave uh, and had been given a computer to work on from home uh, which had the entire film on and had only been backed up uh, two weeks ago so they drove round to her house they wrapped up the computer in blankets and put it in the back of a volvo and drove it back to pixar with the whole film on it and it's it was estimated to be worth about 100 million dollars that computer because it, oh. it had all of the work on it was wow. the only copy i like um, the way you you specified it was a volvo as well yeah i know there is something about it's, a volvo yeah. isn't there it, it's just known as the the hundred million dollar volvo because oh, it, it? it was just you know, everyone was just holding the computer and they strapped it in with seatbelts and they were incredibly worried that it was all going to be destroyed. drove it two miles an hour <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. it, the whole story is slightly undermined by the fact that they finished the film and it was all fine and then pixar decided to start again basically from scratch because the story wasn't good enough so yeah, it actually I got deleted that. twice yeah i um, love that about pixar I, th- I mean that's such a testament to their quality control they just best, looked at it yeah. and said Actually, no. Let's start again. It was their second feature film, so they really wanted to get it right. So they did redo it, but even to the point where they were getting to the final product, they uh, they were going to release it on VHS. It was going to be a direct-to-VHS. They weren't confident that it was going to... Yeah, well, it, they certainly weren't confident. Billy Crystal turned down the role of voicing Woody, and he says that's the biggest mistake he ever made in his career. Which, for well, just a voiceover role... Bill Murray was also approached, and he turned it... Well, he didn't turn it down. He missed the phone call, because Bill Murray has a system whereby he doesn't have an agent. He has an answer phone message system that you can leave your requests for him to be in your movie on. And uh, he missed out on that phone call that day. Maybe and he, that he accidentally deleted it halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he would have been in it, and he says that was the big regret of his career as well. Uh, Pixar are great there's that I think this might be in the next series of QI but that lunch that the four big cheeses at Pixar had in 1994 where so it was John Lasseter Pete Doctor Andrew Stanton and Joe Rant they had one lunch and at that lunch they came up with the ideas and the rough storyline sketches for A Bug's Life Monsters Inc Finding Nemo and Wall E which does make you wonder what they did for the subsequent 10 years if that's I all covered in a lunch, but... It takes them, like, six years to make a single movie. Yeah, it's and pretty they, arduous. Yeah, like, Tom Hanks was doing the voiceover for it when he was filming Sleepless in Seattle. And that feels like that was 30 years ago, even though it's something like 20. And, you know, Forrest Gump, when he was doing Forrest Gump, 
he was still doing the voiceover for it. it just doesn't feel as old as those movies are. Is it true that I read this and I, I don't really know enough about films to know if it's true, but he was doing Philadelphia at the same time and he refused to do any Toy Story bit at the same time because he didn't think he should be doing comedy voiceover while he was doing a serious yeah, movie. Yeah, that's what I read. And it was in the period where he was doing Philadelphia and Forrest Gump right. um, and he felt like these aren't uh, the appropriate movies. So what was he worried about? That he was going to accidentally be funny in a really serious yeah, film? Yeah, maybe in the middle of Philadelphia he might bring out his... Um... Go, You're my favourite deputy! <laughs> There's a snake in my book. Buzz Lightyear was originally called Luna Larry. Oh, better name? Yeah, he was called Luna Larry, and then he had a brief period as Tempus, and then Morph. They morph. went to Buzz. Morph, like, but there's the a very morph. famous Morph yeah. already. Who's the famous Morph? Tony Hart's little um, plasticine, the plasticine guy from the 70s. Morph. Oh, really? Yeah, You're too young. For yeah, maybe they found out about that. Gold, Tony yeah. Hart from Heartbeat. Um, he's the guy who invented Morph. Yeah. And he also drew the um, picture for Blue Peter, you know, the little ship yeah. thing. And um, he got a one-off flat fee of £50 or something like this. But if he'd have got like just one P for every time they used it on a badge or on something else like that, he would be a multi-millionaire by now. That's um, like, I read the story the other day about the man who designed the McDonald's Golden Arches. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you any idea what his name is? Surely that he created one of the most iconic no, things. I don't yeah. know. Ronald, by any chance. No, it wasn't. And I don't know his name either. I read it, but I can't remember it now. Oh, but really? um, he was offered by the brothers that he could get a flat fee or he could have a additional royalty for every time a new McDonald's opened. And he said, I'll do the flat oh, fee. No. I can't see this going any bigger. Yeah. On the opposite end of the scale, there's the guy who painted the mural at Facebook when Facebook had just started. And he was paid in Facebook shares, I think. So he's now multi-billionaire or something ridiculous yeah um just heading back to toy story 2 quickly what i love about this fact is i love just hearing the behind the scenes stories of these these kind of disasters or early stages of things that we've become yeah. to know and love and i love just in animation generally i was i was reading up recently about some early disney movies and um alice in wonderland the original early version scripts i don't know if it was the very first one but certainly in the very early stages do you know who was the author of the script for the animation aldous huxley Really? Uh, yeah. He wrote a bunch of versions of it, and then uh, it just didn't make it through into the end. Um, and yeah. also, uh, the uh, the Lion King was originally called King of the Jungle. It still says on all their press, uh, King of the Jungle, you know, just in the taglines. But they dropped it because they suddenly realized that there are no lions in the jungle. Yeah. Therefore, you can't <laughs> have it. But it was pitched, the movie was pitched itself as Bambi in Africa meets Hamlet. And it became nicknamed Bamlet when they were making it. <laughs> it um, is based on Hamlet, isn't it? I haven't watched The Lion King. Yeah, but you yeah. can see a lot of similarities yeah. when you watch it. Bambi itself was going to be uh, in the scene, spoiler alert, where his mum gets shot. <gasps> then it was the scene was originally going to be Bambi saw his mum get shot and saw her being dragged away by hunters and leaving behind a pool of blood as the bloodied carcass was dragged away along the meadow. And then they thought, actually, that's probably disturbing enough as uh, it is. Well, on top of that as well, the, uh, the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit... It turned out that they were going to make the killer of Bambi's mother the evil guy in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and that was going to be revealed in the movie, and they decided to drop that oh. at the last minute. We just we just recorded the most recent series, the Museum of Curiosity, and one of the guests was Richard Williams, who's the head animator. Can yeah. I talk about this? Of course, yeah. yeah. Okay, so one of the guests was Richard Williams, who was the main animator, a really big animator, and he was the main guy. He basically drew Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit. And I was talking to him afterwards in the pub, and I was asking him about all of these hidden... Because in Roger Rabbit especially, it's a, it's a family film, but there are a lot of single frames where there's some really dark stuff going on. And one of them is um, 
Jessica Rabbit falls out of a cab at one point and um and like her skirt goes off and you see everything and there was a big controversy about this when they recently re-released the film and basically what happened was uh, Richard Williams um drew her falling out and her skirt went up a bit but you didn't it wasn't actually explicit you didn't see anything in the 2004 I think re-release of the film on DVD some new animators went in and made it explicit and drew some stuff there but they didn't tell anyone and Richard got the blame for it <laughs> they also they also put in that movie there was um some graffiti on the wall which said for a good time this is roughly what it said for a good time call Allison Wonderland mm-hmm. and the number nice. that they put underneath was but the phone number of Michael Eisner the head of Disney at the time <laughs> it was his oh, wow. actual number and they had to subsequently take that out as well from that movie <laughs> on the subject of pornographic broadcasting um, Comcast is a massive American broadcasting company and they're responsible for loads and loads of Americans watching television and um, they've, they have a really bad history of accidentally broadcasting hardcore pornography at really inappropriate times so one time they did it during the Super Bowl about 30 seconds worth <laughs> another time was on uh, Cartoon Network and the third one was on the Disney Channel. <laughs> they just accidentally <laughs> replaced programs with oh, pornographic hardcore. No. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, I was looking at sort of the, you know tiny technical mistakes that could have had huge repercussions, like the fact that last year there was a typo in a sign outside of the Oregon Teacher Standards and Practices Commission, and the sign read Oregon Teacher Standards and Practices Commission without a D, right. so just a D missing. And a guy got so angry about this that he resolved to explode it with a pressure cooker bomb and so he marched in brandishing this bomb into the teacher standards commission and said I can't believe there's a typo in this sign it's outrageous I'm exploding this bomb now when to explode it the bomb didn't explode so then he wrote furious letters to everyone and campaigned about the fact that the bomb making instructions on the internet were also riddled with typos and it was for that reason his bomb hadn't worked so the typo caused the crisis but then it also saved the crisis from happening (laughs) so I don't know whose side you're on Tiny Toy Story fact, one of the working titles for Toy Story was Toys in the Hood, with a Z for toys. <laughs> That's good. Catch-22 was originally going to be called Catch-11, but it was around the same time that um, Ocean's Eleven, the first Ocean's Eleven, came out, and so there was a concern that it was going to be confused. I remember it was called Catch-18 for a while. Yep, they, they toyed with Catch-18, so after they dis- discarded Catch-11, they went for a number of other options. Well, so they had a meeting, like, Joseph Heller, we, we, could you come into the office? We love the book, yeah. really good, uh, we need a new number for the title. <laughs> yeah. It sounds 18? like they're working their way up. It's like, Catch 11, no, there's Ocean's 11. Okay, Catch 12. Well, there's also Ocean's 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 13. Well, actually... Apollo we... 13, hello. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all our facts. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us about any of the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can all be reached on Twitter. I'm on at Schreiberland. James? At Eggshaped. Alex? At AlexBell underscore. Chazinski. Uh, you can email podcast at qi.com. Or you can go onto our page, no such thing as a fish.com, where we're going to have all the other episodes up there, as well as pages on each of those episodes with links and videos and so on. And uh, you can just explore that. So thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. And see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.